uh, let me just say it's good to see all of you here today. And I hope that you have come ready to receive something from the word of the Lord. I believe the Lord has something for us uh, in this house. Anybody come ready? A couple of you did it. Did you come ready? Amen. We've been talking about or have in the past two weeks about battles that did not belong to you. And then other, uh, we talked last week about battles that you would have to fight. This week I'm going to do a shift, and I may even shift into this a little bit more uh, next week. But I want to share with you the word. Now this this is going to be probably different from the last couple of weeks, but it's what I feel on my heart. For several months, I've been thinking about and considering in my uh, in my study about what it means, several things, about guarding your heart, about what it means to guard your heart, what it means to guard your thought process, what it means to guard what comes in to your ears, what comes into your eyes, what it is that you see, the things you say, Pastor, how in the world does all of this tie into battles? And Well, I really believe in, our, in my mind and in my heart today that the battles a lot of times that we fight and face are in more our mind than it is anywhere else. We're dealing with things in our mind. We battle with that there before we battle with it anywhere else. Now they're going to, here in just a moment, going to put up some scriptures on the screen. As a matter of fact, if you'll go to that Proverbs 4.23 verse and just leave it there, I'm going to read something that is not on the screen. I'm going to do something that I, I rarely do, and that is step outside, take the verses, I say rarely do, if I'm going to use one verse, I rarely will stop and take other verses at the top of the bottom, but I want to share with you these, and I may even come back next week and break these down, we probably will not get everything that we need to get in today, and I'm just not going to try to pack it all in, I want to read to you starting, I know you just sat down, would you stand one more time? We'll read these verses, we'll pray, and then you can sit down, and then I'm going to just give you the word. I'm going to give it out, I'm just going to give you the word, give you the word, amen. Proverbs 4, let me just say this to you, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, was written by Solomon. Solomon gave wisdom through the book of Proverbs. In the Bible, normally, you can read out of the book of Proverbs, verse one verse, and it can speak and stand alone by itself. It can give you something from that. In this particular instance, we normally read verse 23, and it's very popular. It's very well known. But I believe this morning that it's important for me to give you the verses ahead and the verses below for you to really pick up, as Pastor John would say, everything I'm going to lay down to you. Amen? Have you got your wheelbarrow ready? I hope you do. All right. Proverbs 4, verse 20. You're going to have to, if you want to look on your phone, as long as you're not playing Tetris or anything else you can. <laughs> Amen. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Look at what it says. Listen carefully to my words. Do not lose sight of them. Somebody say eyes. Because this is speaking of your eyes, but it's deeper than, it is. it goes further than just what your physical Okay, it goes to a spiritual sense. It says, let them penetrate deep into your heart. Everybody say word heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing for your whole body. Guard your heart. This is a verse that we're going, one of the verses we're going to use today. 
above all else, above everything else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. What you put into your mind, what you put, what you watch, and what you listen to will be what determines the actions of your life. It will determine what your hands do and where your feet go. I'm going to preach to you. Lord, help me this morning that I'll be able to get out what I need to get out. There's a lot here. Look at what he says. Verse 24, above all perverse, avoid all perverse talk. goes back to your, what you're saying out of your mouth. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead, talking about your eyes. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Now it's talking about where you go. Stay on the path. Look at verse 27. We heard this word last week. Don't get sidetracked. Some translation says don't go to the right or to the left. You need to keep a straight path. Look at this. Keep your feet from following evil. So what comes into your heart will translate through where your, what your hands do and where your feet go, what you see in your eyes and what you hear will have a lot to do with where your heart or how your heart lives, which translates in what your hands do and where your feet go. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, to help us today. Lord, to not only, Lord, to get this word, but God, to really receive it into the deep recesses. Father, I pray this will not be confusing at at any moment, God, that it would be very clear that we would, uh, Lord, hear it. God, that it would, uh, Lord, that it would uh, listen. Father, that we would get it. And Father, that as we hear it and we listen and we get it today, God, that we'll leave with a lot more than what we came with. Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We give you the praise, the glory for what you've done and what you're doing. Lord, we ask you to help us to lean in now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And you may be seated. All right. When we talk about the heart, most of the time, for most of us, we think about the heart, we think about the blood pumping vessel in the center of our chest, which is normal for most people to think in the natural. When the Bible is talking about the heart, go to any commentary, go to anywhere you want to read, it's talking more about the, what I like to refer to it as this term, the seat of your emotions. You are made up your emo or your mind or your your let me back up your heart is talking about the seat of your emotions it's it's talking about the soul of man now the soul of man is made up of three things many of you've heard me talk about this it's your mind somebody say your mind it's where you think at or how you think your soul part of that is what how you think the second part of that is your will say what i want to do i mean you have a will Nobody made you come to church this morning unless you're a kid and your parents made you come to church. You chose to come here. You'll choose what you want to eat this afternoon. You will choose what you're going to watch on television, what you'll listen to on the radio. So your, your soul is made up of a mind, what you think, your will, what you want to do, and your emotions. If you don't think your emotions are, are very vi valuable and very vital, get around a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old girl and you, you don't think you're emotionally connected or driven, you just think about that. Here's what I want to tell you is because you're made up of this soul and it's made up of three parts, which is not out of the ordinary because we know that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't really have the time to get into a lot of that, but let me just share this with you. The heart 
is a lot of where we process, when we talk about the heart spiritually, what we think up here. Now, I'm not going to get into a psychology class. I'm not a psychologist, but I do know what the Word of God says. When the Word's talking about the heart, primarily, it's talking about the mind, will, and emotions. 200 times out of the 800 times that it's mentioned in the Bible, it's talking more about your thought process. Are you with me? This particular verse is talking about what we allow in. It is the seedbed of life. It is where things that are deposited into our life, the wisdom and, and the source of whatever affects our life, the character of our life will come from. There's, it's important. The book of Proverbs says to protect your heart, to guard your heart. A heart, or to protect it, that word protect means to build a structure around it. Last week it was pouring down rain. We got anywhere from seven, eight, nine inches of rain, just depending on where you were at. It was raining while we were in church, but because we were in this building, this structure, we were we was protected from the rain. So when the scriptures talk about being protecting a heart, it's talking about building a structure around our heart. Okay, are you with me? Now, let, let me just say this. It says above everything else, guard it, protect it, put a structure around it, which means this, if you become unhealthy in your body, a lot of times that is connected with the health of your minds, your mental state, where you are, how you think, what you're doing. Let me just say this. If your mind, if your mind is messed up, I'm going to tell you your emotions are going to be messed up. Physically, mentally, and spiritually, a lot of that is so connected. So it's important that you protect it. Why do we protect it? Here's, we're getting to the points. Hang with me just a moment. Because anything and everything that is valuable in your life gets protected. Now, this is not my own uh, thought here. This is something that I heard a few weeks ago. I think Pastor Chris maybe said it, but I thought it was so wonderful to hear this. Everything that you think is valuable is protected. If you've got a safe at home, if you've got a small one or a large one, you hunters, if you've got a safe, your guns are in it. If you've got a safe, your valuables are in that safe. You protect them. If you've got a garage at home and you can get in that garage and your wife can get her vehicle in that garage, that's what you park in that garage. You want it protected. Why? Because God has said your heart, out of it flows everything from life. Everything in your life will be connected to that. So basically, the things you put in your heart will be the things that come out of your heart. Are you with me? Are you there with me? So it's important that you and I fill our hearts or we protect our hearts with something. And that is that the Word of God, that's why the Word of God, if you go back, you guys, are, they don't have it there, but if you went up back up to verse 13 in this Proverbs 4, you would find it saying, take a hold of the instructions or the Word, that's what that is. Don't let them go, guard them, for they are the key of life. Now, some people would say that, if I'm going to guard my heart, that simply means that I don't. If I got hurt in loving somebody, I don't ever need to love anybody again. That's not what the Bible says, because you can guard a heart that is filled with foolishness, and you haven't done a whole lot. 
But when you guard a heart that's been filled with the word of truth, the word of God, that's going to make the difference in your life. If you want barriers uh, in your life to be broken down, spiritual, uh, when I say barriers, I mean barriers that the enemy has tried to use to hold you back, to keep you from living your life the way you ought to live it according to God's word, then you start putting the word in to protect your heart and not filling it with other things that don't need to be there. There are some things that we put in our hearts and our minds. We read stuff that we don't need to be reading. We listen to things that we don't need to be listening to. I just told somebody this week on the telephone. They were talking about they were talking about fear and they were they were talking about anxiety and they were talking about being uh, let's see what's the right word that they were using. Uh, what is it when you just you, you constantly not fearing but you just kind of uh, you what's the word? What is it? You're worried, but that ain't really the word I'm looking for. Kind of, you kind of skitzing out at everything going on around you. And I was telling them, I said they were talking about their phone and using the phone to bring up this news thing that keeps coming up on their phone. That keeps coming up on their phone. Paranoid. That is the word that I'm looking for. Paranoid. And they kept talking about this thing and it kept popping up. And I said to them, I said, I want to tell you something. God did not design his people to sit around with so much information coming into our pockets and our purses until we just absolutely are bombarded with everything going on in the world. Can I tell you that we need to get out of some of that stuff and get back into the word of God and get the foundations of the word of God built in our heart because a house that's built on the foundations of the word of God will not fail but one that is built on the things of this world will absolutely deal with fear will deal with anxiety will deal with the troubles of this life and the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them because of fear a lot of the battles that we're battling a lot of what we're facing are more mental than they are anything else but I'm going to tell you because they're mental They are spiritual. Are you hearing me? Amen. So what are you telling me? I'm telling you that the Word of God builds a structure. It builds a boundary over your heart. Why do you need a boundary? Why do you need a structure over your heart? Because the Word of God is able to be put in and that will keep the foolishness out of your heart. Foolishness, folly, things that don't need to be there. If you listen to the words, if you bind them up, if you put them in the right place. Now I'm going to share with you that the grace of God in your life. Somebody said the grace of God. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. Grace is saying you've been forgiven of your sins. The grace of God in your life needs a landing place needs a landing pad in your life to you so you can experience the power of God for your life. What are you saying, Pastor? When you put God's Word into your heart, you're putting truth into your life. And when you put truth into your life, hear this, it will cancel out the lies that you've been hearing. Come on, somebody. Which is connected to a lot of what we've been hearing, a lot of what we've been watching, a lot of what we've been uh, seeing, all of these things. The truth is the only thing that can cancel out the lies. There's so much talk about uh, uh, about curses and living under a curse and our family being under a curse and our children being under a curse. And yes, the Bible speaks about them, but I'm here to tell you that a curse is nothing more than a lie and the thing that trumps a lie every 
every time is the Word of God because God's Word cannot lie and God cannot lie and He is truth. And a lot of what we're listening to and receiving is, listen to me, is just not the truth. We're just saying, okay, this is how God intended for me to live. This is what God wants in my life. This is what God has for me. And the truth of it is, it is not. Come on, somebody. Now look at this. There's some things that are needed to protect your house. Things that are needed to keep you where you should be living in the Lord. Now I'm going to share a word with you that's known. It's called a word called repentance, number one. Repentance is simply a change of mind. It's a change of direction. It's a change of the way that you've been thinking to the way that you need to be thinking. Remember that the seed of your emotions, your mind or your heart, is connected to your mind. We're going to talk a lot about how you think today. We're going to be talking about why that's so important. But repentance is one of the first things that's needed. In other words, that I change my mind. The first message that Jesus came basically preaching to the world was the message of repentance. We think of repentance as a bad word. Repentance is a word that I have to go confess. No, that's not what he's saying. Repentance really simply means is changing my mind. And I want to share this with you. Only you can change your mind, but only God can change your heart. You can change your mind. You can change your mind. You can change your mind, but only God can really change your heart. The seed of your emotions, your soul, the center of who you are, how you, the things that come in. How can God change my mind? Well, the Word of God, the Word of truth that comes into your life. I, I, what does repentance look like? Well, I've changed my mind about the way that I've chosen to live. I've stopped chasing things that don't matter anymore. I've stopped, stopped chasing after wants, after desires, over things that I just think I need. And I've made a change of direction in my life. Repentance means... I have turned around, I have changed the way that I'm going to another direction. We've got to have that in our life in order to protect our heart. Second is a word called obedience. Now, obedience means that I am being God-directed, not self-directed. Obedience means that I'm not living my life just the way that I want to live my life. I'm living my life as a God-directed life. The easiest scripture, we don't have it on the screen, just jot it down, is a Matthew 6.33 life. It's a life that says, I put my heart, I put Christ at the center of my heart. I have repented. I am now directed by God, but it's up to me to protect my heart. Why? God gave me a free will to choose how I would live my life. If I choose to live in disobedience to God's word, then what I have done is opened up my own free will and I've swung a gate or a door wide open to the enemy. Let me break it down for you. You can walk to an altar, you can give your heart to Christ and say, I belong to Jesus and you can walk out of here and you can get into the world and you can live in disobedience. Did Christ love you? Did he forgive you of your sins? Yes, he does. Does he still love you? Does he still forgive you of your sins? Yes, he does. But you as an individual have to choose how you will live, either in obedience 
obedience or disobedience. Obedience puts a boundary around your heart. It puts a boundary around your life. But disobedience swings a door wide open that the enemy is able to walk in and say, I know what pushes your button. I know what causes you to look at that. I know what causes you to listen to that. I know what causes you to feel this way. And so I'm going to push your button now and I'm going to call, I'm going to put that in you. I'm going to plant that inside of you. One look, come on somebody, one listen, whatever it might be. So we are not children of disobedience, but we are children of obedience. We now obey the word of God, not because we've got to or we have to, but because we choose to. Because we want to know that God's word has become truth in us and our hearts are now guarded. Let me give you this last one. This is a third, a third word or a third thing that I want to share with you. That we are now disciplined. We don't just follow Christ, but we're disciplined or discipled followers of Christ. We guard our hearts by discipline in our life. And this discipline provides structure for growth. The easiest way for me to tell you a simple definition for discipline is this. It's saying no when you can say yes. It's saying no when nobody else is seeing, when nobody else knows, when nobody else would even know about that. It is saying no even when you can say yes. A renewed mind, Romans 12, I'm I'm not going to read all of that to you, one and two. A renewed mind is a mind that is a transformed mind. It's renewed by the, anybody know? It's renewed by the word of God. The reason that your mind needs to be renewed is so that you have the thoughts that God has. We pray to have the mind of Christ, yet won't read the Word. We pray, Lord, let me have the mind of Christ when I go take a test. Lord, let me have the mind of Christ on my job. Let me have the mind of, let my mind, my thinking, my thoughts line up with your thoughts. But we don't read the Word. We feel like that if we come to church and we hear, and I'm going to talk to you about how There is a difference between listening and hearing. And we come to church and we think, well, if I just get enough of that, then that's enough. But to renew your mind is really to renew your heart. It's to renew how you think up here will change the outcome of what is coming into your heart. What you put in is what you're going to get out. You're not going to get out any better than what you put in. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So a boundary of truth allows for some new habits in my life, some things that needed to change so that I can grow in my relationship with God. Some people will ask me, Pastor, I don't understand. Why is it that it seems like some people grow quicker or faster than other people? Why is it that it seems like some people slow down? Their growth is not as quick or they, they vacillate back and forth. I can tell you why. When a person buckles down and chooses that they're not just going to read the Word, but they're going to let the Word read them, that it's going to change them, it's going to renew them, that they've made up their mind, they're tired of their old lifestyle, they're tired of the way things have been, they know what sin will do, they've lived that life before, and they really don't want that in their life anymore, they'll let the Word change them, and when the Word starts to renew and change you, it'll leave you a different person, it will change you into somebody that people look at you and say, there's something about you, I don't know what it is, I don't know what's going on in your life, I don't know what's been 
been happening in your life, but you don't seem like the same person you were before. Come on, somebody. It'll make you to a place where you walk through Walmart and somebody will brush shoulders with you and recognize that you're a word-bearing, Holy Ghost-filled believer that has the power of God because you're more than just a Christian who shows up on church on Sunday morning that prayed a simple prayer that somebody prayed, but you believe it in your heart and you know that God is the one who made the difference in your life. Amen. Listen to this. These key elements we've talked about, we're talking about obedience and discipline. We talked about repentance. Those three things do something. They lead to a renewed mind, but they're key elements that lead to a heart that is prepared. And this is very important because I'm learning something and have learned some stuff about dirt. Come on, somebody. You ever planted a garden? And you're planting a garden. You're preparing a garden. You're trying to get it ready. Some of you know how important it is to prepare the soil before the garden is planted. Because if you just try to go out there and throw up some tomato plants and you didn't really prepare it, you probably ain't going to get much. If you go out there and you try to just throw some seeds on the ground, you're not going to get much. What do you mean a prepared heart or prepared yeah, a prepared heart. A prepared heart is a heart that's been made ready. What do you mean made ready? You're prepared. You've been hearing the word or you're getting the word. You're receiving the word. And your heart begins to then to be what I would like to call prepared or it's pliable to what's going on. You begin to receive it. You, you're, you're not filling yourself with so much of what's happening or you're hearing in the world, but you're hearing what the Word of God is saying, and now your life has become more pliable. You're getting that into your life, and you're hearing the truth, and you're receiving that. A prepared heart gets you ready for the move of God in your life. August 4th, we're beginning a... a um, time of prayer around here. You're going to see that. It's being posted. If you see them in those little placards that we've got around, August 4th is going to begin a 21 days of prayer. And we're going to begin to pray. Why would you pray, Pastor? Why would you take the time? Why would you show up here at 6 o'clock in the morning, Monday through Friday, and pray? Why would you show up here on a Saturday when you could sleep in and pray why would you do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because it prepares our heart. It gets us ready. See, we want overflow. We want somebody to come in and preach three red hots and two, come on somebody, sing two fast ones and a couple slow ones and get some kind of hype out of it and there's nothing wrong with feeling those feelings. But can I tell you that when the Word of God has been rooted in your heart in a deep way, it will not just pass when overflows over. The excitement won't blow over once Camps over, Cole. The excitement won't blow over after motion's gone or grow's gone because something has happened so deep in your heart. It's been rooted so deep in your heart. We know we need to pray. We just don't pray like we need to pray. Come on, somebody. And when we pray, when we put the Word of God in our hearts, we're preparing our heart. We're, our heart is being made pliable. Why is it being made pliable? For the move of God. We want revival. We want our kids to be saved. We want our neighborhood to be saved. Come on, somebody. I do. I want your children to live for the Lord. I want mine to live for the Lord. I want my neighbors to know Jesus. The people you work with to know Jesus. I want revival. Revival is, Lord, stirring me first what I 
and want to see in the world, God. If God's going to turn Vicksburg upside down, change the things that you don't like in your city, come on, empty out jail cells. It will happen when you and I live in personal revival. And let me tell you something. It can be ignited by a prayer service. Research it. Look at it all you want to. The revivals that are throughout history did not just come through a simple somebody scheduling a revival service. It came through a birthing of prayer. It came through the birthing pains of prayer. And I got news for you. It sometimes is hard. It's not easy. It's a travailing. But I believe that when revival is birthed, it will be like when a mother gives birth to a child. She may be in some pain and some moaning and some groaning. But when that child comes forth, my Lord, there's joy. There's joy that no man can take. Why? Your kids are free. Come on, somebody. Your house is free. You're living free. We need revival again. Come on, somebody. A move of God. See, once we are set free and we prepare ourselves for this move of God, then we are able to be used for the purpose of God. We can be used for the purpose of God or the purpose that He created you. And I'm going to tell you lastly, look at this, a prepared heart. And this part is a a heart that's prepared for the return of Christ at any moment. We need to be prepared for the return of Christ. We need revival. But I'm telling you something, Jesus could come at any moment. I believe that with all of my heart. I mean, you don't have to watch much news. You don't have to watch much social media or read it to know that, look, we're living in the days that we not only need to be saved, but we need to be set free. Come on, somebody. We need to be delivered. We need to live in freedom. We need to walk in freedom. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. I know we don't hear that much anymore, but Jesus is going to return. He's going to come back after a bride. He's coming back after a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. You mean he's coming after a perfected church. I'm here to tell you that only Jesus' blood can set you free, deliver you, and make you able to live in the state that he's coming back after. You say, I'm not perfect, Pastor. That counts me out. Hey, look, I'm not perfect either. I'm just thankful for the blood of Jesus. But I do not want to, uh, I don't want to disgrace the grace of God that's been put on my life either. I don't want to live like Jesus just on Sunday but can't find him on Monday morning I want to know that the same Jesus that died for me on a Sunday come on somebody or was resurrected is the same Jesus that I live for on Monday when the devil's coming against me when I'm fighting battles that I don't even know where they came from I know that he lives and that he lives in me and when he comes back he won't have to look and find me anywhere he knows exactly where I'm at because he knows me by name I'm looking for the return of Jesus Christ I'm looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Just read, just read, just read overseas where uh, in a certain country, and I'm not even going to get into all of that, where they're doing these implants now to take care of the credit cards and cash. And some of you thought when barcode scanners came along, that was the mark of the beast. And some of you will say, well, that's the I'm just going to tell you this. I believe that Jesus is coming back. 
Don't you sit and worry about the don't sit and worry about the things that are coming. Jesus said, Do you not see these signs? Can you not read the times? Do you not know when the flowers bloom that it's springtime? Come on, somebody. When the flat when the leaves fall off, it's fall. When the snow falls, it's winter. You know how to read that. Can you not look at the signs of the time? Too many people are looking around, they go, Man, where in the world all this heat come from? Listen to me. Hear what I'm telling you. You say, Pastor, oh, you're going to get into something here. I'm going to dig just a minute. Where in the world did all this rain come from? How come we had some all of this stuff? The Bible says in the last days that weather patterns would increase, that things would intensify. Where there was, we normally never saw these things. Now we're seeing it, trying to figure out what to do with it. And scientists are saying this, and scientists are saying that. But can I tell you something? It was written about in the Word of God many years ago before the first scientist ever stepped his foot into a science classroom. Jesus, the Word of God, God the Father, in the, listen, they talked about it. We're just getting closer than we've ever been before. Hear me, hear what I'm about to tell you. You can live in an environment, you can come to church and not really have what I call is a listening heart. And the reason that you need to protect or guard your house, the structure, you need to put a structure around your heart, is because your heart is the seedbed of life. It is where everything in your life, I'm going to touch this again, flows from. What you allow in your eyes, what you allow in your ears, what you allow yourself to hear, your mind, look at this, what your mind thinks, will be the, that's what determines the actions that you normally do. If you look in the book of Amos, I'm going to read this verse to you, verse 11. The Bible says, There is a time surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Look at this, not a, not a famine of bread and water. It's not one of the food, but look at this. But of, somebody say, hearing the word of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you that the word of God today is being sent out like it's never been sent out. We've never had the means that we have today to get out the Word of God. I would have never thought 20 years ago that you could be able to pick up this thing called a tablet or a phone or an iPad or an iPhone or whatever it is and on that phone have all that you can get from a Bible and a com. There's no reason we can't study the Bible. I mean, I got, I got books. Everything and people that love to get through a book and all that's great, but I can so much uh, quickly, so much faster find some of the things I'm looking for through what's on electronic. We've never had electronic media the way that we've had it. Satellite, satellite was huge when it came out, it's still big now, but the word of God is going out through all of this stuff. Never in history, the internet, the way the internet is able to do it, you can get on a live stream and You know, it's crazy what can be accomplished through that. But the famine is not of the Word of God. We've got the Word of God. But the famine is about hearing the Word of the Lord. When we talk about listening, we talk about physical. Listening is physical. But hear this. Spiritually speaking, we're talking about hearing. Hearing is a word, it's, it's when we talk about hearing the word of the Lord. So it speaks of a spiritual sense. So God is sending, according to Amos, the word 
look at this. And depending on the response of your heart, the seedbed of your heart, whether it's been prepared, whether you're living in obedience and all of these other things, you can either live in a feast of the word or you can live in a famine of the word. Because you can hear it, but you cannot hear it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You can listen, but never really hear it spiritually. You heard what was said, but you didn't take it in. And look at this. It will either cause your life to live in a feast or a famine. So when God's word is sent, there's no neutral response. In other words, you either receive it or reject it. God's word will either fall on soil that's been prepared that is good, or it will fall on the places that the Bible says is a bad soil or a closed heart. And the word of God will be taken out. Now there's a, there's a parable. I'm going to read to you some scriptures. If you want to follow along, you can go to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read these to you. We'll break down a, a little bit of this. And then we're going to close because I'm not going to get to all of this today. There's no way. Matthew 13 verse 3. He told me many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Now if you read the Bible, you're going to find out that, that parables were not, you say, is a parable a mystery? It really isn't a mystery. Let me just break down what a parable is. A parable is a, is a story. Listen, everybody listen here just a minute. Do you know why, why the stories were told or in parables? Jesus did that to keep the integrity of the story. Have you ever heard a story that your parents told or your grandparents told or, or maybe you heard it was passed down from your great-grandparents? But then family would get together and they'd say, now that really wasn't how that was, that wasn't how that happened. And it kind of gets watered down or it kind of gets changed. Well, Jesus told us stories. Now you can get a lot of research on parables, but parables a lot of times, the book of Revelation is not in parable, but it's in these symbolic forms. And the reason it was done a lot that way wasn't so that we would have this complete misunderstanding of the word of God but it was so that it would keep the integrity of what was being told. I just wanted to throw that out there. Here's one of the parables that Jesus told. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered them across the field. Some of the seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. The other seeds fell on the shallow soil with the underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon withered away under the hot sun and they did not have deep roots. They died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Look at verse 8. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was, was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had planted. Wouldn't you love to get that kind of an increase, a return on your investments? Amen. Amen. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Number nine, any, uh, anyone with ears to hear should listen and not just, not just listen, but understand. His disciples came to him and asked, why do you use these parables that you taught to the people? And Jesus replied to them in verse 11, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but, other, but others are not. Now what he's talking about here is those who have hearts that are prepared to hear that it falls on good ground and those that have closed hearts who are not willing. It's not that it's a secret. It's the fact that carnal minds don't understand spiritual things. 
I said, carnal minds a lot of times will not understand spiritual things. Look at what he said. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Their hearts will be open. They will hear it. They will receive it. But for those who are not listening, they've closed their hearts off. Even what little understanding they have, look at this, will be taken away. So let me just give this to you. The seeds always are here represents the Word of God. Jesus told them in this parable of the sower that he knew that some of them would listen or they would hear this word not in a spiritual sense, but they would hear it in the physical, but they would receive it. So they basically would fall what we would call in neutral ground. They just wouldn't take it one way or the other. Look at verse 13. For the hearts of these people are hard. Notice that word hearts, the seed of your emotions when we talk about those things. Look at what it says next. And their ears cannot hear, talking about what they're taking in through what we call our ears. have. And then it says, and they have closed their eyes, what they see, so their eyes can't see, their ears don't hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Look at verse 16. But blessed are you whose your eyes are blessed but blessed are your eyes because they see. He's talking to his disciples. And your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth that many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see but did not see it. And they longed to hear what you hear but not, did not hear it. He's talking about the teaching that he's giving to them. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seed. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those that hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes, snatches it away, the seed that was planted in their hearts. Now look at this. If your heart, because we're talking about the heart today, is protected, when the word of God comes to you, you will have a feast in your life because you're ready for that word to be received. Somebody said, let me give this just as quickly as I can, try to hopefully get the understanding out there to you. Why is it that everybody that hears the word of God is not saved? Why is it everybody that hears that on television, they hear that from a message, they hear that on Facebook, why are they not saved? Why do they not come? Because the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord must draw them. And the way that the Spirit of the Lord draws a person is by preparing their heart. And that heart that is ready to receive it will get it. They will begin to get it. The Holy Spirit begins to allow them to gather that understanding. It's not that He wants to keep it from them, but the Word of God causes a feast in the life who's ready to receive it. But when the Word goes out and it falls on an unprepared heart, the Bible says that the enemy comes quickly and he snatches that seed away that was planted and a famine ensues in their life. What am I telling you? I'm telling you this, that deception is one of Satan's greatest tools. The One of the greatest things that he would love to do in your family, in your life as a believer, is to keep you out of the Word of God. To keep you, not just from coming to church, but to keep you out of the Word of God. To keep you from reading it. To keep your heart from being prepared. That when you read it, look, you can't have a harvest if you don't plant seeds. Mm, come on, somebody. You cannot have tomatoes if you don't put tomato plants or seeds in the ground. You cannot have the fruit if you don't plant the seeds in your life that are from the Word of God. 
hear me. If you're putting in CNN, you're going to get out CNN. Come on, somebody. You're putting in Facebook, you're going to get out a lot of Facebook. But when you choose to say, you know what, I'm not preaching against that today, but I'm telling you, when you push back and you start putting the Word in you, something begins to happen in your heart, and your heart goes to a prepared heart, and you begin to grow. Amen. The devil is real. Come on, somebody. He is real. And we're in a war for souls. This thing is real. Somebody said, I'm so glad the church, you know, I'm just glad that the church I go to is small. I don't really want a big church. Don't want to go to a big church. Can I tell you something? The church needs to grow. It needs to be big. If we believe that heaven and hell are a real place, then we better be spending our time trying to populate heaven if we believe that in our hearts. Don't let the enemy deceive you and tell you, well, it's just not as comfortable anymore. I don't know. Don't hardly know anybody. Get in a small group. Amen. Get somewhere where you can get planted and get the word of God pouring into you because the devil is real we're at war for souls and what the uh, and what defeats the enemy every time is the word of God that's been planted on good ground and the word of God springs forth the enemy works diligently to keep uh, you from the word that is because the word has the power to transform your life and somebody else's life that's why he doesn't want you. He doesn't want you reading it. He'd rather you play Tetris. Come on, somebody. If you knew what that was. If you don't, what's the other big game that's out? And I hear people, what's the one, the t-shirt? What is it? What is it? Not Candy Crush. That's been gone a long time. What is it? Yeah, that's not any of them. I'm, I'm, I'm not hearing anything that I, I've been reading on t-shirts, but now I can't even think of what it's called. But anyway. What was it? Y'all don't know nothing. Fortnite. I love it. Participation. Audience participation. You know what I'm telling you? I'm telling you that you can't get from that what you can get from the Word of God. Nothing wrong with entertainment. Nothing wrong with it. But most of the time, the reason that we entertain ourselves is because we're trying to get our mind to escape something that we don't want to have to deal with. We're trying to figure out what to do, how to deal with it, so we will do things, we'll entertain ourselves. But can I tell you something? The Word of God can do for your life what entertainment can't do for your life. And there's nothing wrong with a certain amount of that. We need that kind of stuff in our life. Hear me, the de- what I'm telling you is there is a real devil and he is out for our souls, our kids' souls. But the only thing that's going to change and keep us and protect us is the Word of God. God in our life. Amen. Amen. Matthew 13, 20 through 22. Let me read this to you. The seed on rocky soil represents those who heard the word and the message and immediately received it with joy. They took it, but since they don't have deep roots, somebody say they had shoots, but they didn't have deep roots. They didn't last long. People, It's called blowing in, blowing up, and blowing out. They came in, got excited about what was going on, couldn't get enough, wanted to go to work, be a member of the church, and the next thing you know, they're gone. That's what that's, that's just to bring it to our terms. They fell away as soon as they had problems. Come on, somebody. As soon as they had problems or were persecuted for believing God's word. I'm going to get there. The seed that fell among those thorns represented those 
who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. You know, just a little bit on the, let me just share a couple of things about the lure of wealth choking out the word of God. I think in the day that we're living in, and there's nothing wrong with having money, money brings relief. It is something that we need to pay bills. It is something that God gave to us. It is important in our life. But to seek security in something that only God can give will fail you. I think for most of us, for many of us, we fear not having enough. The fear of not, or a fear of running out. And if we're not careful, we can get entrapped into believing that somehow God's going to fail us. Somehow God is going to let me down. Somehow God is going to not come through. Somehow God's going to forget where I'm at. Somehow God is not going to take care of what He promised when I'm faithful to Him. And I just believe that God, I have to choose to believe that God wants us to be careful to be careful that we don't let the wealth of the world choke out the word that's in our heart and seek security in something the world and wealth can't give us. Come on, somebody. Only God can give. Money can buy you better tickets at the football game. It can give you a better and nicer vacation. And money can bring you relief. But money cannot really bring true happiness. It cannot bring true security. And it cannot bring fulfillment that only God can really give. Amen. Let me move on. The attitude of the heart determines how we receive. Look at this. The seed, we're at verse 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand the word God and produced a harvest 36 or even 100 times as much as they had planted. The attitude of your heart is everything has everything to do with how you experience the power of God. Why? For those of you who truly hear and receive, God's word produces a harvest 30, 60, 100 much as we planted. But Jesus said, in that same thing, we get that, we gather that, that God wants to do something good in us. But many times what happens is this. He also talked about the soil of hardness of your heart, the hardening of your heart, which simply means this. I heard the word, but I brushed it off. It didn't really, I didn't really, it didn't get it. You, some of you know people like that. You know that you should. You know that you should live in obedience, but you, you brushed it off. The second way that he said, or the second thing that happens, is when it doesn't produce a harvest, it's, it comes in a, in a form of half-heartedness. And what that means is that it gets into a shallow place, but you, uh, it gets into a shallow spot, but it never really gets a chance to grow. And this can be represented. Let me just give you, we did, some, we did a little bit of work down here on the end of the parking lot. If you notice that uh, nice machine down there and all of that, yes, that was, it's costly because you got washing going out. So we hurried in and we... Uh, Pastor Tagan came up and they put some seed on some of that dirt trying to get some stuff to grow up and then we put the we put the we put the hay on top of it and then we got eight inches of rain. Well the seed never really got a chance to get deep enough into the soil and enough on it to be able to even spring up. Are you with me? So it wasn't the birds that took it away, 
it wasn't deep enough to even make a difference, so it washed away. Are you getting what I'm telling you? Are you, are you that's half-heartedness. That's what the Word's telling us. It gets shallow. In other words, we try to add a little Jesus to our life wherever we choose. We choose to believe what the Bible we want to believe, and we, we don't believe the rest of it. We hear about favors and blessings of God. We hear about us winning battles, and we want the pastor to preach about that. We really want him to really be real with us on that kind of stuff, but we don't want to talk about trouble, and we don't want to talk about persecution, and we don't want to talk about problems. And we have never really faced the persecution that the disciples ever faced. There's not one of us that's ever had to die for the gospel. We've never had to die for the sake of the gospel. We have been so blessed. We live in a country that we're blessed. Now I'll tell you, you might deal with some stuff on your job where they don't want to hear the name of Jesus. They don't want to hear about your God. A lot of those different things and that may come in your life. But I'm telling you as much as we need to hear about the blessings of God and the favor of God we need to understand that this thing does not come without troubles. Jesus said, you will have trouble. Come on, somebody. You are going to deal with some forms of persecution. You're going to have this stuff that's going to come in your life. But he said, I have overcome the world. And if I overcame the world, you can overcome the world. There's not one of us here today that's dealing with scars on our hands where our nails where nails were driven to a cross. Not one of us today can look at our feet and see the prints where nails were driven where our feet were nailed to a cross. Not one of us look at our are in the mirror and see where a crown of thorns was pressed into our head. Listen to me. We have never had to deal with that. But when Jesus said, I overcame the world and you can too, he was setting the course and the path to say this. If you'll hear the word, if you'll receive the word, I'll give to you 30, 60, even 100 fold. I'll let a, there be a feast in your life. And when troubles come and persecution come, the word of God will be so deep in your heart. You didn't just add Jesus to your life. You planted Jesus in your life. And Jesus is the center of everything you do. And if Jesus ain't the center, then you don't do it. Amen. Thirdly, a crowded heart. A crowded heart's when you're just trying to fit God into your schedule. Your heart's so crowded that you're just trying to fit him in. Where does he fit? And that's why we preach to you and talk to you about living a God-first life. Why God needs to be first in your life. You're not... You don't give your tithe after you try to figure out how to pay your rent. I'm pre- I'm not preaching on money this morning. It's not my wasn't my desire. But I think a lot of times what we believe is we give to God what's left over and then somehow God will figure out a blessing for me. Can I tell you this? I want everybody to listen to what I'm going to tell you. I have never lived my life giving to God what was left over but believing in a first fruits harvest. Believing in that if I gave to God what was first, He would never give to me what was left over. But He would give to me. Come on somebody. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. He would take care of me when I was in need when I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to make it God would make sure that somehow it happened come on somebody that's all I'm going to say on that all of the things that we talked about the bad soil the Bible says in that made a closed heart we need the opposite which is an open heart a wholehearted heart and we need a guarded heart an open heart to the word that gives God all access to the broken places. We were singing that song earlier. To allow him to do the work that needs to be done in our, our life. Why, Pastor? Because, listen, what goes into our life will come out of our life. 
And I'm closing. Guys, get me some, some stuff ready real quick. An open, wholehearted will allow God to have access to the broken areas of your life. Right now, we got brokenness in our hearts that we need to allow God to, to mend. But I'm telling you, you're not going to find happiness in a lot of things that you're looking for. And you're not going to find the mending that you need except within His Word. There's so much more that I can tell you this morning.
gadget won't make you whole. Another vacation won't make you whole. Come on. I'm preaching, but we all know. Another, another sport, another entertainment will not make you whole. Listen to me, it will only make you whole. It's Jesus.